1: Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on Straight from a national championship with Mount St. Charles at the 18U level, the head coach and co-director for hockey at Mount St. Charles, Matt Plant. And I've known Planner for a long time, passionate, passionate coach. He played his college hockey at Quinnipiac university. He's coached at a lot of different levels. He's coached at the division one level, the division three level prep school. Now he's out there running Mount hockey Academy and uh, you're not going to find more passionate people than Planter in the world about the game of hockey and the players that he coaches. But before we do bring, bring planter on, let's bring on another passionate hockey guy in the talent of the podcast jeffrey j who vex what's up today my man
0: i love when you call me jeffrey j who it makes <laughs> me so happy i laugh every single time i'm having a great day i've been up since 4 30 a.m and it's 8 36 p.m tonight i'm all hopped up on mountain dew i'm all um, hopped up on mountain <laughs> dew Yeah, man, this was a good one. This was a really good one. And uh, you know, it was a little bittersweet having on the enemy. Uh, you know, he he his Mount St. Charles team beat a bunch of the kids that I trained and coached a few years ago um in the St. Louis Triple A Blues in the national championship. But I did watch the game on TV and um, you know, I did think that that they deserved to win, honestly, from from you know what I watched uh in the gym while I was training um some of the some of the ripped rockets, some of the moms I trained of my clients. Um, that's what I call them. The Rip Rockets, that's your name. Don't wear it out. Uh, but yeah, dude, this was this was a great one. I'm doing well. Starting to buzz with the gym. Boys are starting to trickle back. Juniors about to start ending pro seasons in Europe are ending. NHL's coming to a close soon. AHL. So in about a month, I should be rocking in the gym. And uh, you know, it's my favorite time of year. Favorite time of year for me, anyways. It's go time, baby. Let's go. Go time. It's time to get these <laughs> boys, you know, built back up and built better um, and uh, and earning their next season's uh, stats in the summer here now. So I'm, I'm excited. This is my go time. I've had a ton of players from literally all over the world already join my online training, the prep phase, uh, which is three weeks. And then phase two, which I ju- just dropped this Sunday Already have you know well over a hundred players um, um, training with me online for this off season and more and more every day. You can start that anytime. Anybody who has questions about it, whether you're a player, parent, or coach, I have organizations that are starting up with me. I just got four girls teams, um, you know, New Jersey uh, uh, um, uh, out there, and then I have um, the St. Louis Triple A Blues they're working with me too. Like, it's just, it's, it's really exciting. And I'm so happy that I can be able to train so many hockey players for super cheap using this stuff every summer. That's been, that's been really, really cool to be able to to work with so many players all over.
1: Hey, these players who you're training, are they training heroically?
0: (laughs) Well, if they're training with me, you're effing right. They're training
1: heroically. (laughs) We,
0: we, we know they're training heroically, you know, it's uh, they're working their, their
1: bags off. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, yeah, things are good. Weird time of year right now. The weather's uh, not sure if it wants to get to spring or not in a lot oh. of different places, which is uh, always a fun <laughs> and depressing at times uh, time of the year. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 go time to to get in the gym. It's it's go time for others to rest. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's just a, so end of the season, the weather's starting to change. Like it's just uh it's a weird time of year every year, isn't it?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent is, but uh, you know, I'm sure it's a lot better when you don't live in the midwest. Like, I love the midwest, don't get me wrong, I like four seasons. Um, but yeah, the midwest this time, I dude, I hate April. It's like it was, it, it, yeah, it it's like snowed. that everywhere. It's like dude, that everywhere. It, it snowed here last Friday, and then like Saturday or Sunday, it was 70 degrees. It was like what, and then you know, it's just.
1: I lived in New York forever and it's the same thing out there. Is it like it there? Yeah. Out there? Yeah. yeah really? We actually have people uh visiting this week that are from the town that we were in that uh, watched our, our kids and stuff. There were some of our best friends out there, and it was like 70 degrees here and it was like 35 there. You know, wow. so it's just like and, and then that podcast. could flip and then that could flip.
0: <laughs> so you got you got people in from New York, but you're down here in your basement ripping a two-hour podcast.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Dare I say. With that hoodie on, you are living the GMBM lifestyle. <laughs> What's up? Love it. For
1: our podcast listeners, I am wearing a GMBM Give More I think Be you, More hoodie. I think
0: you've worn that more than you haven't worn that since I sent it to you, if I'm being honest with you. And I love it.
1: Hey, my my fashion is <laughs> stellar. I do not have a big assortment of clothes in my closet. I have some go-tos that I stick with. This is a very comfy very comfy sweatshirt, especially when you're podcasting. It's late at night. It's 8.40 p.m. It. on a Wednesday night right now. So I am ripped and ready to go. Well, I'm Respect not ripped. It. I got to get ripped. I've uh, been working it. on that in the gym. But hey, Narado,
0: Narado, start with me. You know, for all our listeners, he's on our 200th episode. He's been on three or four times. One of our best friends of the show. One of the smartest hockey minds, literally in all of hockey. Literally all of hockey. And, uh, he started online with me on Monday. Um, so, you know, he's going to take the before and after picks. He always sends <laughs> me the before picks because like, don't <laughs> you ever show anybody these picks. <laughs> and then he's just going to get super dialed and get, you know, diced up and, so, uh, so you know, he's walking the walk and talking the talk with the boys. So I'm there you go. For that too. There you
1: go. All right. Well, let's get over to Planner. This was a fantastic conversation. I think the thing that I loved about the conversation is just like three really passionate hockey people talking hockey. You know, planner, like I said, known for a long time. I met him when he was coaching in the USHL for Indiana and uh, Benny Sire, who we talk about on the podcast, who I worked with at Cornell, coached him in in college. So got a little bit more in depth in in getting to know him through Benny. And, And yeah, he's a great hockey guy, very passionate about what he does and you know, he's done a great job uh, building the Slex Academy program a few years back when they started that. Now they have moved over to, to Mount St. Charles. Um, I think this is year two for them. And and he won a national championship as the 18U head coach there this year. So uh, he's done a great job of, of moving kids along to the next levels and stuff. And uh, yeah, really, really cool to just talk about coaching, talk about life, talk about development with him. And yeah, this, this, this one's going to go a long way, I think for sure. Yeah, this was
0: money. Absolutely money. I'm excited for people to hear this.
1: Yes, sir. So let's get over to Planner. Before we get over to Planner, got some people to thank. Want to thank our, tit- our title sponsor, G-E-L-S-T-X G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Go to gelsticks.com to get an unbelievable trained, training-weighted stick say that three times fast, 10 times fast, whatever the saying is. Uh, yeah, no Gelsticks.com. use the coupon code, think tank, uh, one word and get a discount on a way to stick. It is the springtime as we were talking about. They also have golf clubs. They also have lacrosse sticks, uh, unreal training aid to have, especially at this time of the year. So head on over to Gelsticks. Jeff, we already talked about training heroically. That's his app. You can get on your phone to train with Jeff. He's got all of his different, uh, all of his different workouts that he has on there, from everything you want to be an elite athlete, you just want to be a little bit healthier. If you're a ripped rocket, is that what you said? Ripped rocket for is that the moms, the moms you said. The moms <laughs> yeah,
0: something that I that I am doing uh, right now. I just finished it up. Is for our buddy, an unbelievable human, unbelievable philanthropist, unbelievable person in the hockey community, Drew Lane, who oh, founded the, the Penalty Box company and the Penalty Box Foundation, which is a charitable arm of his company. Um, I'm coming out with a parents workout for hockey players. Uh, The goal is to get parents into, kind of like get themselves back into shape slowly. Um, You know, we're still working out what the price is gonna be, but it's gonna be an eight week long program um, that I'm partnering with his company, The Penalty Box, to put out for hockey parents that can be done with very minimal equipment at home to get you feeling good and ready to go. So you can play with your kids in the driveway, you know, go on vacay and feel good about yourself. And if we've learned nothing from the last two years of everything going on, it's that health is, should be put at the forefront um, and be imperative that everybody's working on it every single day. Um, So I'm excited to get that going. And I believe we're releasing it Sunday or Monday. So yeah. Yeah. So it's coming out really soon here. I mean, the last thing is, I'm very, very excited to uh, now be with cured nutrition. Um, you know, I'm sure that most of the listeners who have been with us for a long time, they kind of know my story and they know how many concussions I had for my hockey career. Uh, I still take pharmaceuticals. Uh, I still take medicine for my bad concussions that that and I've been on the medicine for fourteen years, now going on fifteen years. I am starting to try to wean myself off. I've been taking CBD for years. And I've been taking cured specifically CBD for over a year now, because uh, my girlfriend, Kylie, who's a a, a, a social media persona, she was with them and introduced me to their products. And I started using them. I loved them. I reached out to them. And I said, I've taken tons of CBD in my life. There haven't been many where I felt a difference. And with cured, I do. Um, So I, I seeked out, I sucked out. (laughs) How would you you, seek out? Seeked out. All right. Thank you. Well, there's, there's that brain, uh, the the traumatic traumatic brain damage (laughs) brain injury coming in right there. I guess you take more CBD, Um, but yes, like literally very, 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 very excited to partner with them. I can't explain to everyone how much CBD has helped uh, me feel better, feel more like myself. Obviously I got some cobwebs up there from the things that, that happened during my career. Um, But I literally take CBD two to three times a day. Um, And if anybody wants to try, out Cured Nutrition. You can go to curednutrition.com, and my code is GMBM, all capital letters, and you get 10% off. This is a product line that I truly believe in, and I literally use two to three times a day. So I love trying to pass on to my clients and the people who listen to us a savings and b things that will actually help you. Um, so yeah, so I just believe in them. Curednutrition.com. If you want to save money, my code GMBM. So check them out.
1: There you go. And and I do want to talk about drew lane too. just an unbelievable guy that you talked about with this this partnership that you're doing if you're a parent um he has made this facebook group called hockey deals and discounts that will probably change your life if if you go on there and yeah and see that based on like buying equipment and gear and and swag whatever it is like they do so much different stuff like not only does he have the penalty box but he has this facebook group that's like this community of uh, what was it like 50,000 people or something like that? It was I can't remember exactly, but it was something insane and where they, you know, basically, I think they buy things in bulk because they have this community of people that are buying this stuff. so you can get all this equipment for much cheaper because hockey is not cheap. And equipment is a big part of that. And so um, go to Hockey Deals and Discounts, a Facebook Facebook group. And yeah, Drew, I mean, she's like one of the most philanthropic people that we know. We've had him on the podcast. Unbelievable listen. This was probably two years ago now. But uh, yeah, go, go check that out for sure. And then also check out IceHockeySystems.com, your go-to website for all of your hockey development needs. You get everything on there from... A drill drawing software where you can draw drills and send them to your players, send them to your parents, have them stored with your entire organization. Uh, There's thousands of drills, whiteboard explanations from a a lot of great hockey people on there. So just if you want to get better as a coach or player, go to icehockeysystems.com. We've actually partnered with them for an association platform. And so go to the associations tab. You can get this for unbelievable value for every coach within your organization and also every parent, because they have the hockey think tank parent survival guide under there as well. So uh, go to icehockeysystems.com and check that out. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of our amazing, amazing, amazing listeners. We love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this conversation. A lot of passion coming out in this one for sure. And uh, so let's get over to it. Without further ado, here we go with Matt Plant. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. He's out in beautiful Rhode Island right now. Matt Plant, how you doing, Planner?
2: I'm doing good. Thanks, buddy. Good to be here.
1: Oh, yeah. We are excited to have you on here. And uh, Vex, you're not going to find more of a passionate fellow about hockey than, than Planner here. And um, I'm sure that'll, that'll come through a lot on this uh, podcast. No Planner a long time through a one Benny Sire, who you played yeah, for at Quinnipiac. The legend. Quinnipiac. And the legend. The legend,
2: Benny Sire. <laughs> give him a shout out. What, <laughs> at, what years were you at Quinnipiac? 98-02. to Oh, so nice. Benny was there my sophomore through senior years. So and I then him you
1: coached with them as a, as a volunteer, right? And you lived on his porch. I I heard.
2: Well, no, he was still at Quinnipiac. I was with Wallach. I was with Kyle. Kyle ah. I was a volunteer at UConn and I was with Kyle, Peter Belisle and Bruce Marshall.
1: Oh, okay. That there you go. First,
2: That was my introduction to my first year of any sort of formalized coaching. I like it. Yeah. I, I was living oh. out on the porch. We got some stories about that. <laughs> I know. Green weather.
1: <laughs> i like it i like it well uh we're gonna get to that stuff in in a bit but uh, just to introduce you to a bunch of our listeners um planner just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, and how you fell in love with the great game of hockey you know everybody's got a different story on on how they kind of fell in love with it so uh talk to us a little bit about how you first got into the game and, and then we'll let it rip from there
2: yeah so i'm from uh april park it's right outside of troy new york the capital district area the troy albany area um my dad really got me into hockey. I, I started probably skating on those double runners when I was probably about two and a half. Um, you know, we had some ponds near where I lived and, and get out there. My neighbor had a pond. So we'd go out there and skate. And then I kind of got into just kind of messing around with the stick and a puck when I was probably around four, got into mini mites about five. Uh, but again, just watching my dad play men's league and, and, um, you know, my dad was a huge hockey fan. We'd go over to a friend's house, watch You know, we didn't have cable back then. It was, you know, a, dating myself it's probably like early 80s so um, old cool. yeah <laughs> but uh my, so yeah a friend of his had cable we'd go over there and watch uh you know we'd watch uh the Bruins games we'd watch them you know when the Whalers were in Hartford you know he watched the, the playoffs when Montreal played Hartford my dad was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan so um watch those wars I like the Quebec Nordiques back then the old school Nordiques
1: best um, jerseys plus, I dad, think they have the best
2: jerseys oh, 100% and my dad was a huge Canadiens fan and I hated the Canadiens so any like the Whalers the Nordiques I couldn't go for the Bruins, but, you know, when the, when the Canadians played either the Whalers or the, or the Nordiques, you know, it was a big, I was like, you know, whatever four or five, six years old battling with my dad about it. But, um, you know, it was, it was fun. And then, uh, obviously started playing, you know, organized hockey when I was five mini mites all the way up and probably about seven or eight years old. I just like, just loved it. Like, I just knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted obviously you grow up, you want to be a professional hockey player, but I grew up watching RPI. RPI was about 10 minutes from where I grew up an RPI back then. And we're talking like the early to mid eighties, uh, 84, 85, they won a national championship. So I grew up my dad and I would go to pretty much almost all their home games. Um, and that's where I'm like, I want to be a college hockey. That player.
1: was, uh, that was like the Adam Oates and Joey Juno yeah. years. Wasn't it? Adam No, yeah.
2: yeah. Juno, Graham Townsend. Um, Bruce Coles, Darren Poopa, Timmy Friday, Mike Dark. I mean, they had a wagon back then.
1: Is there a better name than Darren Poopa, by the way? I mean, how many come time, on. How many times <laughs> in juniors or college <laughs> were you like, uh, I'm going to go take a Darren Poopa? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to yeah. say that all the time. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Well, well, let's fast forward a little bit here, Planner, because you got the chance to, to go play at Quinnipiac and we had cash on the podcast here just a few weeks ago and, and for yeah for for everybody who's listening right now that hasn't listened to that one it's been one of our most successful in terms of the amount of people that have downloaded and engaged with it on social media and stuff like that cash i mean he's a he's a hell of a smart hockey mind he actually just got uh, Named to the World Junior staff, Rand Pecknold, the head coach at Quinnipiac, is going to be the head coach for the World Juniors for USA, and, and Cash is going to be one of his assistants, so go back and and, uh, and definitely listen to that one, but got the chance to go to Quinnipiac in its early years, its infant stages, and right. you know now seeing it where they're consistently in the NCAA tournament, uh, obviously Rand is, is the head coach for the World Juniors now. Um, And it wasn't quite that way when you were there, you guys were just starting to kind of find your legs, you know, so what, what's your kind of thoughts as an alum now, just what your experiences were back then kind of to where they are today. It's gotta be a pretty proud thing for you, huh?
2: Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, but to be quite honest with you, Toph, I'm I'm really not surprised. Um, We had some pretty good teams when I was there. Um, You know, the first two years, we, I mean, it was the MAC or what's now the Atlantic Hockey League. You know, we we won the regular season my freshman sophomore year. We fin- we never finished lower than second in the league. And then my senior, my my junior year, we lose to Mercyhurst in the finals. Um, and then my senior, year, we finally we finally broke through and we won the league and we got an opportunity to play an NCAA tournament. Played Cornell, and uh, was not a successful outing that day. <laughs> but, um, when I, I think Cornell went to the Frozen Four that year. Um, At 3 it was O two. No, nope, just got, just got close.
1: They, old nice. was their frozen four year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cause Doug Murray was on the team, Stephen Bobby. Yep. Um, uh, what's his name? Vessi was on the team. I think Paulini might've been on that team yep. too. I can't remember, but they were, they were, they were pretty good. Um, you know, they were impressive to watch, but um, yeah, I mean, it it doesn't surprise me because, you know, then they get the rink. You know, they've always gotten some really good players. Uh, even when I was there they had some some really good players, they get some transfers. Like Sean, Mansf- Sean Mansoff came over as a transfer from the University of Maine, led the league in scoring in his junior year. Um, you know, they always got some good players from the BCHL and always did well in the USHL. You know, and then, you know, obviously a, a guy like Cash goes in there. Uh, he was a couple of years after I graduated. And, um, you know, he that group, I feel like Cash's group, really just seamlessly transitioned from – Atlantic hockey into the ECAC. Cause I think cash was like two years Atlantic, two years ECAC. Yeah. And then he was like, he was an all American and, you know, just broke records, but you know, you just kind of saw it coming with the growth towards my end of the end of my time at Quinnipiac, the expansion of campus and just the resources and, and the, everything they were putting into it, you could kind of just see it coming. And then when the rink was built and then they move into ECAC you know, you just, it doesn't really surprise me. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful facility. Um, you know, Rand's a great coach. I mean, he's, you know, the, the things that he has in place systematically and the, you know, he teaches you habits and details. I mean, it's a lot of the stuff that I preach to our guys, I learned from him as a player, you know, just how important, you know, stopping on pucks are, you know, getting in shot lanes, um, finishing your checks, you know, be playing with structure, you know, all that stuff, you know, just the, the really just the, the, reinforcing habits and good details and all that stuff. Um, you know, and then he just, then he just gets the players, you know, like it starts with kind of like that Jordan Samuels, Thomas error. And it just, you know, you you just built, you know, how it is tough. Like you can build on that momentum. Yeah. And that's really what I think they've done. And, And then, you know, obviously they get to the, with that one real group, one real good group in 2013, they get to the national title game against Yale. And, um, you know, then like, I think it was three years later, they're playing against North Dakota in the national title game. And they've just, it's almost like you expect them to be in the national tournament every year.
0: I would, and I would say, I would give a lot of credit to Benny Sire too, just an outsider looking in like, you know, that guy called me, like I felt like every hour on the hour for two seasons, like he was a hound and he was hounding my teammates with the Lancers in the USHL. And uh, you know, I didn't wind up going to Quinnipiac for the sole reason that they were in Atlanta hockey or whatever it was at that time right but if i would have known they were going to move into the ecac and i would have taken a visit to that place oh my god is that campus beautiful right and then- Rink, one of my best friends growing up, Andy Meyer, he wound up going there and I went to visit him when I was tur- turned pro. And I was just like, dude, if I would've come on a visit here and known you guys were going AC- ECAC, I would've paid to go here. Like that place is gorgeous. Right. And I just, you know, talking to so many guys in the league, I mean, we always had kind of a joke about it. Oh, how many times Benny Sire call you this week? You know, now I look back and I'm like, man, he got so many good players because he established established so many relationships with so many players where maybe at the time when they were in Atlantic hockey, like, you know, usually they were going after, you know, whatever, not, not the, the, the top tier guys. Cause they're trying to go to the Michigans and, you know, and whatever back then. Um, but he got so many good players yeah. and, and really helped build that program. I truly believe that looking back.
2: No, you're absolutely right. That's a great point because the footprint really started with Benny, right? I mean, those teams that 2013 team, Benny's got his fingerprints all over that group, right? I mean, he, he, he recruited a lot of those guys and cultivated a lot of those relationships. You're absolutely right, Jeff. That is, that's a great point. Well, I got Robson.
1: Yeah. Well, I got the chance to work with him for five years at Cornell. He went from Quinnipiac to Cornell and we started together there. And, and it's one of the questions I actually had for you planner, because, you know, we're, we're a byproduct of the people that we learn from, right? Like, Uh, the the guys that we played for like you mentioned with with Rand and and then the guys that we work with and and Benny for me is I mean talk about coming in as a first-year assistant coach having to learn the ropes like not only is he very good at what he does but he also cares so much about the people that he works with and like we were I felt like we were brothers right away you know Mm -hmm. and that's that's a gift that he has and for all the coaches that are listening like if you want to be a good coach learn how to develop relationships whether it's with the people that you're working with or whether it's the people that you know you're coaching um, Benny has a gift in that and and that's why every program he's ever coached with has been successful you look at Cornell and and what they've been able to do in, in the recent past with their successes and things and, and I saw it firsthand in the video room on the ice in the recruiting calls and the recruiting meetings and stuff like that I mean very few people don't walk through the coach's office with Benny and don't come out with a smile on their face you know yeah. whether it's a joke because he said something funny well, or right
2: I mean that's that's the, the, best, the best ever, have, I mean the sirisms are legendary right yeah I mean. <laughs> yeah and
1: there's a reason why he won the the i think it's called the terry flanagan award as a top assistant coach in college hockey a few years ago uh when you work that hard and you care that much about people you're gonna be successful because yes. like you're just gonna be good at what you do because those are the most important things you know and and he's obviously a smart guy too but you know for all the coaches that are listening like work and and you like Rand and benny like benny didn't play division one hockey you know Rand didn't played division one hockey they just worked and worked and cared and cared and worked and worked and cared, and cared and cared and weren't afraid to be told no and and just kept going and you know it's something to be admired and it's it's part of the reasons why for me like ben sires like he's he's one of the best and i'm i feel very very fortunate to have learned from him and worked with him for as long as i did
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree. He's, he's one of the best hockey people out there. And to your point, what makes him so great. And I remember this as a player, like right away, I picked up his care factor. He cares about every single person on the team, like every single member of the team. Yeah. He, He treats them the same way. He cares about people. And that's, you know, that resonates, man. And that's, that's something that I try to aspire to do with our guys too, is just care, care for them. Just go out of my way to, you know, as a coach, bend over backwards to put these guys in the best possible position to be successful. And I think, you know, when you show, you care about people, you know, that resonates and you're going to get people to want to you know, go through a wall for you. And and Benny is, he, he's, he's the quintessential of, you know, care factor and caring for others. And, you know, he'll do whatever for people. And, you know, that's why a lot of people love him in this business.
0: I think that's something important for a lot of coaches to hear too, that Rand didn't play division one. And Benny Sire didn't play division one. I just got off an advising call um, with, with a coach out in New York, a young kid who's asking like, my goals are to coach college hockey or coach junior hockey, but I played low level juniors. So I know he listens to podcasts. So like Mark, like, you know, there's two unbelievable coaches who've had unbelievable careers and long careers at the division one level that didn't play division one either. So it's, it's what these two guys are saying. Like, and this is what I told him on the call. Like, well, let's go over like what you can bring to the table. Like, do you care, and how much do you care? How much you're willing to give to your players? How much value can you provide? And like, where can you provide value? You know. And I look at like in the case of Benny Sire and like, you know, I don't know him obviously anywhere near as well as you two guys, but like a value add that I just saw from the outside is that he was hounding players to get him to Quinnipiac and always establishing relationships and, you know, knew my family's name and asking me what's going on with my family. And like, you know, like that was a ton of value he was providing where honestly, other D1 teams that I was talking to weren't, weren't doing that for me, you know? So he almost got me to go to Quinnipiac strictly on that. So any young coaches out there that are looking to, uh, you know, climb the ladder in the coaching world, like stop thinking like, Oh I should be here oh this or that it's like well no what what value can you bring to the table what can you bring to a team a player an organization a family a school whatever it is so that you can make them better which then in turn they will want to have you coach use your services whatever because you're providing that value consistently yeah definitely
1: for sure. It's such like um, it's such a good lesson, especially in recruiting. Like if I were to go back and coach college hockey or, or be in some kind of a recruiting role again, like it, it almost goes back to that saying, like people don't really care what you say. They care about how you made them feel, you know, and then I feel like in in recruiting a lot of times, even in sales, you know, you pitch the product. Right. Like you pitch Cornell. Cornell can do this for you. We've had these many NHL players. You got the rink, you got the facilities, blah, 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 blah. But it's like at the end of the day, like, let's just boil this down to college hockey everybody kind of has that stuff, maybe not to a certain extent, but everybody's got a few NHL players. Everybody's got a pretty cool rink. Everybody's got pretty cool facilities. Everybody's got a pretty cool campus, blah, 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 blah. Like invest time in getting to know the people that you're recruiting, invest time into getting to know the people in, in their circle, like their, you know, their sphere of influence, let's call it uh, sure. their parents, their, their coaches, or if they have an advisor or whatever, like, um, it is. It's, it's, it's about a feel. I mean, I don't know how about you guys and, and when you committed to the schools that you did, but like coming out of certain places, you just kind of felt good about it. <laughs> and I think a lot of it had to do that with that coach investing into just the personal side of the relationship, not, not reading me a list of this is what our school can offer you, but like, hey, like, let's see if this can be a fit. And what, what inspires you? you know, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of your experience? Like who are your biggest influences? Let's talk about it. What makes you happy? Like all those kinds of things I feel like are really important and, and can get you to, to be a better, let's call it salesman or saleswoman. If you're, if you have a a team to get them to, or a product to sell or whatever.
2: Yeah. I think one step further on that too, is if you, if you're passionate about what you do and, and where you work and you're just passionate about the sport and you're passionate about you know the program and and you know what your goals are to try to get it there to to get it to where you want to get to. and also, you know, to your point to building that relationship with um, the player directly and and the the people in their circle that are influential on their decisions and and really being able to articulate, you know kind of what the vision of the program is and where they fit into that vision and yeah. and and have that passion, you know, about them as people. Uh, and about them as a player, but also about them as people, and, and also passion about your own program and the people that are already in your program. Yeah. Because I think, I think that resonates with people. And I think people pick up on that. And I think that gets people excited.
1: For sure. I used to love it. I would have to catch myself at times, because I loved my experience at Cornell. Like I would tell recruits and I, and I still tell people like, the best part about my job as a recruiter at Cornell is extending an offer to a kid and knowing that I can ultimately provide them the type of experience that i had for four years at cornell which were the best four years of my life yeah. you know and that was so rewarding for me to be able to look a family and look at a kid in the eye and tell them this experience changed my life and this experience changed i'm getting like emotional talking about this right now. this experience it, it changed my family's life i wouldn't have married my wife i wouldn't have met her i wouldn't have had all the cool things i wouldn't have learned all the lessons wouldn't have been able to play in front of a awesome. Like everything that Cornell provided me, the fact that I was able to provide an opportunity to other people to have that was the most rewarding and coolest part of my job. And it was not even close. And then you develop those relationships through the recruiting process. And then you get to follow through with it when they get there and you get to talk to them about certain things that you did. And they're doing the same things now. The same, Like the strength coach was the best. Hey, let's talk about coach Howley, you know, playing in front of the crowd. Hey, let's talk about it. Hey, here's some struggles that I had. <laughs> being a student athlete here let's talk about it because I, I know you're going through the same stuff and and I agree man like if you can have passion for people and passion for the program and marry that together and I was lucky enough that I was an alum of the program so it was almost ingrained in me from the start and and that's what you have too man like when you were at Slex Academy and now you're at Mount like just the passion oozes through so like let me ask you like where does that come from? like where you are one of the most passionate people that I know and it, it, it shines through in your coaching I used to love watching you coach I get a chuckle every now and again when yeah. when you got her going but like where do you think that passion for what you do comes from because I think that's what we're all looking for we all want to be passionate about something we all want to love going to work every day so what is it to you what is the passion what grinds you and, and what makes you really tick and go
2: I just love the game. You know what I mean? I love the game. I'm ultra competitive. I love to win. You know, I, I actually, we, we talk about this too with our, with our, with our teams, you know, hate to lose more than you love to win. That's me To In a nutshell, like I hate to lose more than I love to win. Um, Cause I mean, you know, like coaches, it's funny. Cause we talk about this a lot too. Like when you, when you're winning, you just, it's just, okay, you move on and on to the next thing, but when you lose, you just carry it with you. You know what I mean? And it's just, I don't know why that is. And I'm trying to get better better with that. But uh, but I, I love the game and I love competing and I love grinding with the guys on the day-to-day. That's the best part. You're going through a journey, just grinding with these guys, like, you know, putting the work in, whether it's, you know, practice, games, video, weight room, whatever it is, just putting the work and then seeing it all come to fruition, you know, seeing the buy-in, Um, you know, like, you know, the Shattuck in the semifinal game, we're up six to one with under five to go guys are diving in the lanes, blocking shots. We're up six, one, and they're not stopping. You know what I mean? That's like, that's what I love. It's like when, when that all comes to fruition and, and these guys reach, they start to see and reach their potential. And you know, when, when that belief takes hold, um, you know, it's special. It's special. And again, it's, I mean, Toph, you know, you guys both know, like you've, played at a high level and the grind, the hockey season is, you know, other than baseball, but, but at the youth level, hockey's a long season. You know what I mean? And it's, there's the good, the bad and the ugly. And, and, you know, you see the worst in each other. And, but at the end of the day, you just know you got each other's back and you're a family and uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's special. And that's, that's what I love about it. And um, you know, again, I, I just, and I love building relationships, you know, and, and something that you know that I wanted to add on to what you just said, Toph, is like because you get people to your, you know, to your program and then you're kind of going through it with them, and you were at Cornell and you're an alum, and then you, you recruited guys that go there and share some of the similar experiences that you shared as a player. But how nice is it too when they move on to the next level, right? And you still it's awesome, right? It's still awesome. And the best part is like, you know, guys that we coached at South Kent that are now you know, playing in the national hockey league. And like, obviously we just won a national championship a couple weeks ago. And you're getting texts from those guys, you know, from other programs and they're still referring to you as coach. It's just like, that's just an unbelievable feeling.
1: Yeah. So cool. The, The best texts were like the guys you coached at Cornell was, Hey coach, I'm in tonight. Like they're getting their first NHL game. It's like yeah. the coolest thing to see. Actually, hey, one of the guys I didn't I didn't coach him, but I was around when we were recruiting. him, Morgan Vex. he played on a line with Stas the other night, and uh, got his first goal, first NHL goal. Stas assist on it? Uh, I don't know. Ealer's assisted on it. Stas might have gotten a second assist, but it was sick play. But anyway, That's go ahead. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I was just gonna say. Well, yeah, I got a text today from Trent Frederick on the Bruins. I think it's gonna be his first game in St. Louis. And he was like, hey, Bex, like, do you want to come watch me play against the Blues on Tuesday? I'm fortunately going to be, well, fortunately, I'm going uh, to Long Island to help with uh, with a camp there that they're of palooza They're putting all these coaches. It's to be pretty cool, Vanguard Hockey. But like, just to get that text, like, hey, do you want tickets to come see me play? And I was like, oh, my God, I would kill to go to that game. But I already committed to this months ago. But I want to go back to something you were saying, because you said two things that are that, that, that I love. And you said you know, guys are diving in the lanes to block shots, um, you know, in a a six to one or whatever it was game. And it always makes me think of something that Toph said when I was playing against him in the USHL and his coach said, actually, um, we were beating the steel. Obviously, we used to spank them, I think probably like 100% of the time back in the day. Pretty close. Um, If it
1: wasn't 100, it was pretty close. It was (laughs) like it.
0: It was 60% of the time, every time. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but uh, I, I vividly remember we were beating them. I don't know if we were up four or five or a touchdown. We were spanking them pretty good as usual. And, uh, you know, I blocked a shot with like five seconds left two pad stack and i tof came out of locker room and our whole family's at the game and i remember that he said like hey man like our coach just blew the hell out of you in the locker room like your whole team just blocking shots you're up four or five goals and you guys are laying down and he's like why don't you guys do that or something and so like to hear that you're able to do that in midget hockey players not even juniors yet like that's really impressive and you also said like I like to work with the grind with the boys and I wanna build relationships and I like to build the buy-in. So like, I think this is the most important part of coaching, teaching, leading a business, anything is creating buy-in from your team, the people below you, the managers, the coaches, everybody's gotta be bought in so that the bus is all moving in the same direction because if people are pulling in different directions, you're know, you not gonna go fast, efficiently, you're not gonna go anywhere. So, what are some things that you do to build that type of buy-in, especially at that age?
2: I think, honestly, Vex, it's organic because if you think about kind of our model and our setup, you know, we have 19 boarders. They live in the dorm. So, are you 14, you 15, you 16, you 18 teams all live in the dorm on campus. Everything is right there for them. Right, they're lifting together um, twice a week with Mike Macioni, who's a former yeah, beauty. Yeah, I with love him. Beauty. Tell him I said hi. I will. Um, so he does a phenomenal job with the boys and we're, we're, we're blessed to have him with our program. Um, you know, we're on the ice six days a week. They can be on the ice seven days a week if they want to be, uh, we have our goalie sessions on our, my assistant coaches, our program's goalie coach. So we're blessed to have him on the day-to-day too. Um, you know, so we do our goalie sessions on Monday and then the guys can, you know, it's kind of an optional thing for them, but they're on the ice six days a week practicing, working out together, living together, going to school together, just grinding together. And I think that bond just happens organically. Like all these kids, they have the same goals. Like that's the, that's the kind of culture that we want um, is we want these, we want kids that want to get to the next level. You know what I mean? We want kids that are just as committed and as passionate about the game as we are as coaches. And um, you know, we'll do some things together. Like what, you know, once in a while we'll do like a, at South Kent, we did a, um, a program wide um, paintballing excursion and that was a lot of fun to get involved with the boys. And, and, uh, you know, I think some of the guys were afraid to shoot me, which I was fine with. It's <laughs> fine with that. You shoot coach, you're um, your off power play. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, that was a lot of fun. And then we've done some bowling things. And last year we took our guys to, uh, to, an to a go-kart racing thing. And, um, but we try to do everything together. Like, you know, like we're always together before games, like when we're on the road or at home, it's mandatory pregame meals together. Um, you know, everything we do is together. And then obviously post game, they can go with their parents and whatnot, but uh, we just try to, I I just think, I just feel like with the environment that we're in and just kind of the, the way things are structured with the model that we have in place, I just think it comes organically because these kids are coming from all over the country and some, you know, some parts of the world even. And um, you know, they all have the same goals, you know what I mean? And and they're living together on the same schedules and let me ask you this
0: because this is something something this is something someone brought up to me after you guys beat the triple a blues where i train a lot of those guys um like maybe we could call your team a super team because it's guys from all over right do you think youth hockey at that level triple a is gonna go like should they go to more of um like i don't know a league of super teams where, you know, maybe it's like the TPHs where people go and do this type of thing and everybody's like going all the time and, and and you know, uh, a Mount St. Charles and a South Kent and like whoever can have that so that it's like anybody who wants to and can also make that team and then it's like super teams only playing against super teams and then like it's like super team AAA level and then all other AAA teams or or do you think it should stay it the way it is? Because I was like, oh, well, you know, it, it kind of seems like, hockey is going in that direction you know with the cat the rise of academies and things like this and i would have went to an academy when i was a young young player if my if i could you know my parents probably could have afforded it but if it was a thing i would have been like yeah i want to go to school at the rink and yeah i want to you know be with my teammates all the time so do you think that that's something that will come or should come or no
2: i think it's got to be there's got to be a balance. Like what I love about Mount Saint Charles is these kids get a they get a high school experience too. It's not just they're just always at the rink and they're doing everything at the rink. You know what I mean? Like the nice thing about um, what attracted us to Mount Saint Charles was their vision and kind of what their philosophy was in terms of that experience. Because a lot of AAA kids, they have commutes. You know what I mean? Some of these kids live an hour away from home and. You know they they miss out on an experience. You know in the high school ages because they're commuting to practice and sometimes it's an hour away. And if they're going to get the off ice training, that's an additional thing and that takes more time out of their lives, out of their social lives. And you know obviously then they're on the weekends with their games and and they kind of just miss out on you know friends at school. Whereas I think you know what I like about Mount St. Charles is is our practices are built during the academic day, so they're you know they're actually built into their class blocks. So like we don't go by days a week, we go by. Letter day, so we go A, B, C, D. So A days, we end uh, the school day with practice, one forty-five to three. Uh, B days are the same thing. We end one one to two thirty because uh, the last the last bell rings at two fifteen in the class day. And then um, C and D days, we were in the late morning, so we were C days were eleven thirty to one, D days we go eleven fifteen to twelve ten. So it's kind of sandwiched around, sandwiched in between classes on those days, but you know they get a they, they get a, they get a high school experience too. You know I mean? They still get their development because they're, they're on the ice as much as they are six days a week. You know, they still get their off ice strength and conditioning program with an elite level strength and conditioning coach. They still get their skating and skill development. Um, But they don't have to entirely sacrifice a high school social experience either. And I think I'm not a big fan of the online thing, because I do think you sacrifice that to a degree. And it's, it's nice to be able to branch out. And I think, you know, one thing that I love about, we do this thing called Mount matters. And basically it, it, it encourages the kids in our hockey Academy to reach out in the school community or even the outside community outside the school community and, you know, go out of their way to, to, to lend a helping hand or to, or to help others. And every week we, we document, you know, a certain number of guys on each team and what they did, you know, as part of their Mount matters. And I think that's really special. And I think that's really cool. And I think like programs that have that type of philosophy I think I'm all for that. I mean, the online stuff is you're kind of detracting away from that type of stuff. And, and, and it's for some people, um, you know, but I just feel like what I love about Mount is you can provide that opportunity. You know, it's not just, okay, you're living in, you're living at the rink all the time and you're, it's all, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, these kids are committed to hockey, but there's gotta be a release too, a little bit. And for them to go out, like you see a lot of our guys are out supporting the lacrosse teams in the spring, the soccer teams in the fall, we've got a lot of guys in our academy playing on the lacrosse team. So we got some guys doing other sports in the spring, which is cool. You know, cause that, you know, re- forces them to kind of branch out and, you know, obviously build relationships with people outside of their, their uh, comfort zone, I guess, so to speak, you know, with, with, with the team. And, and I, but that's life, right. Cause I mean, these guys get the college, you know, you don't want to be strictly confined to, to one thing. You want to be able to branch out because I think that, that's a life skill because when you get into the real world, hockey's going to end at some point, right? And when you get into the real world, you're not going to have, you're not going to be working with 20 of your teammates. You know, you're going to be working with people that come from various backgrounds and you got to be able to get along and connect with those people. And I think um, something like what we're doing, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen at other places, um, but I just feel like, I guess kind of the model that we, that we're following and, and, and I know there's other schools that follow a similar model. I think those are the ones you want to be a part of. Um, because it's, you know, it, it's just more than just about the hockey. I mean, the hockey's important, you know, development piece is important, but there's also some social skills and some life skills to develop as well that are, you know, probably more important.
1: In fact, this is why having this conversation is so damn hard, because everywhere is different. Every yeah. every every place has its challenges and every place has its its benefits right like you hear planner talk it's like i'm going to mount dude like,
2: <laughs> you know like this is <laughs> Can great. I sign you up know now?
1: and there's similar places like that too and and you know like you know the the place that i worked at this year we were an online school for some of the kids and the majority of the kids that were in our midget program and you do see like i've always been kind of against that forever like um but you see the you know the kids are leaving the rink at five o'clock and going home and eating a dinner and and getting to bed by 9 10 well they could be getting to bed by 9 10 o'clock rather than practicing at 9 10 o'clock and getting home at at, at 10 11 and now they're not it like but you go back to it like that's the community model which is great but there's there's detractors to that too um and like, so this conversation is so difficult. And I think the cost factor is a part of that too, right? Like I, I had a guy from Boston, like a good friend of mine. He called me a couple of weeks ago. He's like, am I going to have to spend $30,000 for my kid to play midget hockey in a couple of years? And I, I, I didn't know what to tell him. Like, to be honest with you, I was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, because the it is moving that way. And so it, it's such a hard question to answer because there are some teams that are doing a phenomenal job of the community-based model. Um, there are some teams planner like your team, that's doing a phenomenal job of more of the academy model as well. And you just got to find the right fit for your family From a cost standpoint, from a is my kid mature enough to be away from home yet standpoint, what type of experience do they want standpoint and it just there's no one size fits all which makes this conversation really, really tough and I've had so many of these conversations as a part of the hockey think tank with so many different people, whether it was here in Canada or wherever and it is, man, like it, there's no easy answer to that question. You just have to find the right fit for your family and for your kid. That's going to allow them to um, grow as a hockey player and achieve their dreams and also grow as a person, like all the stuff that you were talking about to planner.
2: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you're, you're right. Uh, Toph. There's not a one size fits all it's it, It's all about fit. It's the same thing at the college level, right? It's about fit, finding the right fit. Um, you know, and, obviously I lived the day-to-day with the, you know, we were at South Canton Select Academy there prior to Mount St. Charles, and I've been in, immersed and ingrained in this. I mean, at the end of the day, we just want to provide a great experience for these kids. You know, we want to provide an experience that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. You know, I mean, I think high school is, it's a formative age of development, you know, not only hockey, but, but, you know, socially, emotionally, academically, um, it's the formative period of your life. Right. And, and really, you could, I mean, those kids with the St. Louis AAA blues, you don't think they had an experience this year that they're never going to forget. I mean, they got to the national title game, you know I mean? They had an unbelievable season, you know, and um, you know, the Dallas, the, the Dallas stars elite and, you know, same thing, you know I mean? Unbelievable season. I mean, they were one goal away. They were a shootout goal away from moving on and we were going home. You know what I mean? I mean, these are, these are very good teams and very good programs. And to your point, so if it's, it's really about finding the right fit, but you know, I think too, you, you you look at the people that are involved in organizations like Jeff Brown coaches, Jeff Brown and Kelly chase coach in St. Louis. And, you know, got the, you know, I've known Brownie Brownie was in Indiana. short, He came to Indiana shortly after I left and went to selects, but we actually had a couple of guys play for him when Indiana still had a team. And one of our guys won a Clark cup with them. So I've known Brownie a little bit since back then and it was good to catch up with him, but like two unbelievable people, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, played at the highest level and, well known right and you know just i think that's one thing you got to look at too is the people that are involved and um you know again we just want to provide a great experience and 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 one that these guys will remember for their life you know and and because it's you know it's it's a formative stage of their lives and and development in all aspects
1: yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head there planner it's not about the what it's about the who You know, you can, you can develop in any kind of model, if that's what you want to call it, but who's running that model. That's the most important thing. I literally had a uh, a conversation with somebody from New England today, and they were asking about the process and kids pretty good, but they don't know much about the process and stuff. And and I'm like, who's the coach and are they going to have an opportunity to play? (laughs) those are the most important things when you're looking at um the hockey side of the experience that you're you want for your kids at that age because the coach is the person that's going to push them is going to be the biggest mentor for them for however many years that you're there again you said practice six times a week or practice or play six times a week that's six times a week that you're um having an impact (laughs) on on the kids so there's a ton of different models there's but at the end of the day like who's running the place? Who's coaching my kid? How much are they investing from a time and effort standpoint into making my kid better and challenging them? And and then the flip side of that is like, is that person going to play my kid too? <laughs> yeah. Cause you do you, practice is where you develop, but you also, there's a lot of mental development that goes on with being able to play in a game. If you're sitting on the bench for the entire game, hard to develop that way, you know? So, and then it's different, you know, like maybe it's some prep schools and stuff. It's a little bit more winning centric because it's a part of the school and things, and maybe communities model, maybe not as much. It, it all depends, but like, uh, I think, and I don't know what you think planner, you've had a lot of success and you've moved a lot of kids on and you've seen a lot of kids. Um, I, I think the most important thing when choosing is like, okay, who's the coach and are they going to be able to play? Give me an opportunity to play.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I would agree with that. Um, you know, and, but I, yeah, I, it just, I think, cause like we tell our kids when they're choosing you know, whether it's to go play junior next year, cause you know, obviously with the USHL and the North American League, there's a draft, but with the Canadian leagues, Alberta and BC, you know, there's no draft, you know, it's basically they recruit players, right. And it's, you know, do your research. I tell our guys all the time, whether it's junior, whether it's um, college, you'll go where you're valued, go where you feel you're valued, where the coach, again, goes back to what I said earlier in the podcast, you know, can articulate the vision of the program and where you fit into that vision you know, and then you got to make a decision for yourself and don't talk yourself out of it too. I can remember, I'll, I'll give you a Shane Pinto story. You know, Shano, u um, 18 year at South Kent, he had a lot of schools on him. He kind of narrowed down his search to four schools. He wanted to make sure he could see them all before he made his decision. And um, he went on the four visits and it kind of got stretched out because there was a lot of conflicts. Like North Dakota was the last school he visited. Um, and obviously not easy to get to from South Kent, Connecticut. So, I mean, it was a lot of conflict. Um, you know, with our schedule and their schedule, and trying to get him out there, so he didn't get out there till you know Thanksgiving. So you know, the plan was because a lot of schools he had visited earlier in the fall, like the local schools um, that he was able to get to earlier in the fall, they would made offers and they were kind of sitting and waiting. But you know, Shane was up front in the process. So the plan was okay. Once I get a week after I get back from my final visit after Thanksgiving, you'll know, let people know what my decision is. And he went out to North Dakota and um, he basically called in the locker room Saturday night and said, coach, I just committed to North Dakota. And I was like, well, what happened to what happened the next week? <laughs> and uh, he's just like, this is where I want to be. I know it. Boom. I'm, I, this is where I want to be. And it's like, okay, respect that. Right. So there's sometimes too, when you're going through that process, like Cam O'Neill um, it was UMass, right. He, I, I took him on his visit. He's from Maryland. His parents couldn't get up. So I took him on his visit in September and I could just, I just saw it. I could just see the connection. I just saw it. And I knew in the car ride back to Mount. I'm like, this kid's going to go to UMass. I could, you could just see it. You could feel it. Right. And it's sometimes when you know, you know, and don't talk yourself out of it too. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if your heart knows where you want to go, then just follow your heart.
1: I love that. I love that so much. And, and I want to, I want to kind of twist you with these things. Cause it's something I wanted to bring up with you because you mentioned Shane Pinto, Shane Pinto was playing the NHL auto senators. Well, he was second round draft pick, let's,
2: let's um, pick in the Second round, yeah. first pick
1: of the second round. Played 18U. Played mm-hmm. free at 18U. You talk about Cam o'neill um, you know, Tri-City draft pick in the USHL. So familiar a little bit with his story. Went back to play 18U, had an unbelievable year. I have to imagine he's gonna get drafted, you know, mm-hmm. this year and and and
2: had a phenomenal year. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. He 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 set records. Like he had 57 goals and 133 points. He had 18 points at the national tournament. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> He had 10 points in the last two games. He had five against Shattuck. He had one, four and five against Shattuck and he had two, three and five against St. Louis. Wow! And he was that. And, 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 and we won six championships this year because other tournaments and stuff like that. We won the Northeast pack. The kid performed in every championship game was a difference maker. (laughs) This is like, this is an ultra competitive kid. Like, like us. Right. And that's like, you just, I mean, I can't say enough about him. I mean, not just him, it was a special team, but just an ultra competitor, like shined in the big in the big moments, in the big spots. Um, yeah, and Cam's been an evolution. Like Cam was not the player that he is now that he was at U15. You know, he wasn't, he was never probably considered for the NTDP. You know, he wasn't considered for phase one. You know, Shane Pinto, same thing. Zach Jones, same thing. I can remember Jonesy in my office after U16 year cuz I had that 2000 group at U16 and then we moved back up together to U18. And I remember Jonesy in my office after the USHL draft he, he got passed over after his U16 year. Angry tears in my office, like angry. And I was just like Jonesy, you just got to keep showing, you know, obviously size and and all that was kind of the the the, the question early on and I'm just like you just got to keep doing what you're doing and just and just show them your game's going to translate at the next level and you know, that's what he's done. And Shane Pinto, that's what he's done. And Cam O'Neill, that's what he's done. And that's what he's going to do. You know what I mean? And, and everybody's process is different. And, you know, you had asked me earlier today, you know, kind of talking about a topic and yeah, don't rush the process. Right. And those guys are great examples of that. And the, the ironic thing about Shane Pinto and Zach Jones is they were supposed to, to do two years in the USHL. They ended up only doing one. So it's kind of funny when you, when you, um, embrace your process and take your time sometimes you get to where you want to get to a little bit sooner than anticipated and those guys are great examples of that you know they they go into the USA they play a year of U18 they close the gap from U16 to to that to that league you know Jonesy's rookie of the year he's the second team all USHL Shano had like 60 points in year one and then he goes into schools and then two years you know two years in school and now they're you know um has been up and down you know between the American League and he's doing really well in the American League in Hartford but he's had some good stints with the Rangers too up in New York. They're just, you know, they're just so good. They're just so deep at the NHL team uh, with their D you know, Shano obviously gets hurt and had to have season ending shoulder surgery. So that that's kind of sucks. But, um, but I think, you know, I, I would be excited to see if Shannon was healthy. I'd, oh man, I could have wondered where he is, what he, where he would be right now, but he's in the league. Right. And basically the anticipation was he was going to be in the league all year. You know, and like four years ago, we were winning a national championship together. That's like four years ago. That was only four years ago. You know what I mean? You know, and it's just there's something to be said for taking your time and embracing your process. Because, you know, it's funny how sometimes you'll get to where you want to get to a little bit quicker than anticipated when you do it that way. It's unreal, man. And yeah,
1: I like, yeah, I texted Sylvex. So I texted Planner earlier today and said, hey, was there something, you know, any topic you want to talk about? And that was it. Like, don't rush the process. And, you know, I've, I've said on this podcast, and I'll say it to anybody who will listen, like the biggest travesty of youth hockey is the fact that people don't think U18 is like the level that they need to be at. It's the most important level that you need to be at, in my opinion, because you know, even talking to my sixteen U guys at our exit meetings, they're like, "Yeah, you know, thinking junior." High. I'm like, "No, <laughs> no, yeah. like play eighteen U and dominate
2: where you're at, and then move on." Right, hundred
1: percent, yeah, and it's just like. Oh, everybody's in in such a rush, and and here you are. I think it's awesome to to have you sharing these stories of of these guys specifically. Shane Pinto, you know, 18U wasn't highly regarded as a younger player. Zach Jones, 18U wasn't highly regarded as a younger player. Cam O'Neill, 18U wasn't wasn't uh, highly regarded as as a younger player. You know, everybody just has a different maturation whether it's physically physical maturation emotional maturation maybe you do go out to a mountain you're homesick in year one and then you figure out how to be away from home in in year two or year three or whatever it may be like i at the college level i have seen so many kids that just needed a little bit of time you know And, and 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 the ones that rushed it it was like, you know, maybe they'll go play in the USHL a little bit too early. And then at 20, they're in the, you know, in a different junior league, they're not in the USHL anymore. And, And so it's just such you try so hard. And we try so hard on this podcast, to educate people that the marathon way, most of the time, if not all of the time is the proper way for people. And I think it's hilarious with these stories that you're telling of like, people who didn't rush the process ended up getting further in the process you know than the people who rush the process and it's 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 amazing to hear those stories man
2: and and what's the common denominator there they thrived everywhere they were no i mean i the the common denominator is is matt plant i mean right
1: like all three of those guys Common denominators these guys they're
2: elite (laughs) level kids with elite with elite character and elite work ethic you know that's the common denominator but these guys thrived at every level they thrived when they were with us they thrived when they got to the ushl they thrived with their respective college teams and now they're on the way to you know hopefully having long careers and in and then in, in the, living the dream having a, a long career in the national hockey league right i mean that's you know the, we say it all the time like it doesn't matter when you get there just as long as you get there right and and not only Getting there. It's not about just getting there, but thriving when you get there too. being ready. It's like I use this example all the time. You know, you put a you put a chicken in the oven and if you take it out too soon, it's not going to taste very good and it's going to make you sick. But if you let it marinate and you let it season and you let it allow the time, you know, to season and cook. And by the time you take it out, you want it to be delicious. Right. Well, that's the same with, with the hockey player you by the time it's time for him to move on to that next level you want him to be delicious when when it's time you know what i mean and um yeah i mean it's we could talk about it till we're blue in the face of examples of where guys rush the process and it didn't work out versus guys that didn't rush the process and it almost always works out right but yeah
1: i think the other thing too is like i put a lot of stock into this when i was a recruiter at the college level like Sometimes coaches just talk about players a little bit differently, you know, and and hearing you talk about, and I've heard Anthony Noreen, who we all know very well, talk about Zach Jones. And when he talks about Zach Jones, it's a little bit, there's a little extra pep in his step. When you're talking about these guys, there's a little extra pep in the step. I've had a conversation with Brad Berry about Shane, uh, Shane Pinto, when he coached him in North Dakota, a little bit different of a conversation. And I always thought that that was really interesting when coaches would really kind of per- perk up talking about a kid. And, and, and the reasons why they're perking up is because there's a little bit of something in them, a little bit of a fire, a little bit of a, like an engine that just wants it more than everybody else and is willing to do the things necessary to, to get to the levels that they want to get to. And I think that's for like all the kids that are listening, like, especially ones that have aspirations and are kind of on the cusp of maybe getting to juniors, maybe getting to college, maybe getting to pro like the way that your coach talks about you is really, really important. And if your coach talks about you in a way that they couldn't imagine life without you, like planner, like you probably would say, like, without those guys, you're not winning your national championships because, you know, the, the effect that they have and, and like, you got to work you got to buy in like it ties back. You got to work. You got to buy in. You got to be a guy that a coach just can't live without. And when I heard the the extra tone in the coaches voices and you could tell when it's like, not really genuine. The coach is trying to sell you like, Oh, this kid, like I'd, I'd let him date my daughter, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It just like the typical, whatever. But like when they really truly light up talking about a kid, as you are right now about these guys that you're coaching, I, I just think that's a huge part of the process. And you like recruiting them out probably feel the same way. Having gone through it on all these different sides. Cause you coached it at a bunch of great different levels. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's so important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mean like in terms of like the way coaches talk about specific I, guys? I just think is, that yeah. it's
0: like, it. parents can have a big effect on this. I know we have a lot of parents that listen to us and not coddling your, your player, your kid, not, you know, if they don't have a good game or they get sat, you know, not going against what the coach did telling yeah. them, well, you need to be better. Like you can help Your player on that journey because I know we have so many parents that listen to this. You can help your parent or your player be a kid that the coach absolutely loves by your talk in the car. And I can't remember which podcast recently that we had this talk about this, Toph where you know the coach has you for an hour and a half at practice, parents have you for the other 20 hours a day or what you know, 22 and a half hours a day. So, like, what are you saying? The coach is giving one message but you get in the car and you're completely bashing that message and being like, well, you should be on the power play little Johnny's not good enough. Why isn't my kid on the power play? That's not setting that kid up to like work harder and be this type of resilient, tough, uh, uh, real type of player that coaches love to talk about. So you can, you can, you can literally like, like, uh, emphasize you can get your player to be this type of person through the talks that you have in the car after practice after games and especially after the quote-unquote hard times that your players are going to go through what you're teaching and coaching them um, through matters just as much if not more than what the coach is doing and saying to them
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and just to just to tie this and plan, I want to ask you this real quick. Like, I think the thing that ties us all together, like the thing that the coaches love is intrinsic motivation, like a a kid that takes it upon themselves and takes responsibility for their development. And you don't have to coach them that much, because you could coach them hard a few times, and then they just go out and do it. Like those for me are the kids that I light up about when I talk about those are the kids that are going to make it. And those are the kids that are going to make it for sure. So when we're putting our ass on the line for giving recommendations, you know, to, to the college coaches or the, the NHL guys, the pro scouts, whatever it is like that intrinsic motivational factor, as you've seen with all the kids that you've, you've coached and have gone on to do things like that's a huge part of it. And Vex, you're a hundred percent right. Like a lot of that comes from like, it not being spooned, like it has to matter to the kid more than it matters to mom and dad <laughs> has to matter to the kid just as much as it matters to the passionate coach and stuff, you know? So, so planner, I'll ask you because you've had the chance to coach so many kids that have moved on to different levels and you've coached at a lot of different levels. you have coached uh, prep school. You've coached the Academy model. You've coached in the USHL. You've coached at the division one level. You've coached at division three level. Like is, is intrinsic motivation in in your opinion, the the kind of separating factor for the kids that ended up getting to where they wanted to get to at the next level and the kids that you light up about.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a differentiator for sure because I think about Joel Faraby and Emilio Peterson. I never coached them but they played in our 16 team for a couple of years before they moved on to the USHL. Joel went to the NTDP. But like you watch them in a conditioning skate. It's always Joel Faraby and Emilio Peterson one and two, always pushing each other you know always competitive elite players but elite work ethic Shane Pinto is a self-made player like always i can give you an example we had a spring skate we used to do spring skates after the season this was after u16 season and um you know you know we had springs i always did the sunday skates 10 to 12 and channels out there with the you know all the guys the large group of guys it's 10 to 12 this is just an example but this is Shane to a t out there for two hours and then he's out there by himself for another hour and like i'm giving him another like i'm, I'm like i gotta go home like i got two little girls at home like i gotta you know it's the spring that season's over shane like i gotta go home on a sunday here like but you know what i'm giving him an extra hour because he's out there and he's doing things with purpose he's not just touring around looking at himself in the glass like he's doing stuff with purpose zach jones same thing like you gotta shut the lights off on these kids so you can go home you know what i mean parker ford same thing Like, I remember that U16 team, and that was a really good team, you know, um, looking back, because we had guys like Pinto, and Haskins, and Jonesy, and Ruben Rafkin, and Josh Lawrence, and, um, you know, uh, the list goes on, I mean, the list goes on and on, right? I mean, just a really good team, and I look back at that group, and I'm like, two of the most detailed players, always doing it the right way in practice, never had to worry about Zach Jones and Parker Ford, never had to worry, like, it was just like, it's a given, like, don't have to you know, you're watching them, but you don't have to worry. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to worry about it. Like they just, they're, they're so, they have such elite work ethics. Shane Pinto, like Shane Pinto, anything he could do to get an edge, right? I mean, to the point where he's wearing these blue light glasses to go to sleep, like you you go in to check him in and he's sitting there with his glasses on and he looks ridiculous, but it's like you expect it because Shane will do anything just to get a little edge, you know if it can get him just a, a, a little bit of a better night's sleep so that he can perform better the next day. Like whatever that little thing is to give him a little bit of an edge, he's all in on it. and you got to respect that. And he worked so hard. Like he was kind of an unknown. Like he came from uh, the New York aviators kind of a double A program, and then he came in as u sixteen. And I remember when we were looking at him for u sixteen, he really didn't have anybody on him. And I'm like, kind of thinking, and then you kind of start to second guess. I'm like, he's not even talking at like prep schools. Like, but then you see him five, six times. And you're just like, you know, this kid can play. Like you just go with your gut on it. And, but then, you, and then you get him, and then you just see his work ethic and his drive, you know, and, and uh, you know, Jonesy and and Emilio Peterson and Joel Faraby and guys like that. And now you see where they are now. And it's 100%. That's a differentiator. You know, that's something that, we talk about because obviously you have something you have it in place as a program like we've got the two days a week that we train with with our strength and conditioning we have formalized lifts and then you know skating and skill development and all that stuff but you know those guys go above and beyond you know they you know we have our captain zach aben he gets up every morning at five o'clock you know we do 6 a.m skates tuesdays and thursdays he's, he never misses them like he's always there you know like those are the types of things and and you know, how much of an impact did he have for us, you know, at the national tournament, right? He gets our first goal against St. Louis on a shorty, you know what I mean? And and scored some other big goals. He scored some huge goals throughout his entire career at Mount St. Charles, you know what I mean? At at, at U16 and U18. Um, But yes, that is certainly a differentiator. And that's, you know, like I knew when Shane, you know, made the decision to go to North Dakota, I knew they were going to love him because I knew Shane was going to go in there and just be a sponge and take advantage of every resource that they offered you know, for himself to get better and help the team, you know, and that's exactly how it played out. The kid was always at the rink from what Brad said, you know, like always at the rink and it doesn't yeah. surprise me, you know what I mean? And and that's, that, that is a, that is, that is a special quality because that's passion that's drive, right? That's pride. You know what I mean? And those things are differentiators for players that, you know, want to get to the highest level they can.
1: hundred percent, man. And that's that. Why-
2: That's not me in their ass. That's not their parents in their ass that comes from within.
1: Yeah. And that's why I feel like, you know, our, our jobs at even the youngest levels of hockey and development, the mites squirts, novice Adams, like make the kid, not make the kids, but put kids in an environment where they're going to fall in love with the game. Like Mm -hmm. it's the most, like the most important job of any coach of the younger ages and, and even continuing up into the older ages, it's really important too, to make sure they're still having fun and making sure that they still want to come to the rink uh, every day. And like, it's, it's such a, you call it a separator, a differentiator. Like I, I, there's very few people that are playing at the highest levels of hockey that don't love hockey. There are some, there are, there are absolutely some who are just that talented, but that's the the top 3% of, of, of people out there. I mean, we know who those guys are we've played with those kinds of players and, and they can, they're just that good. They're <laughs> put, it is what it is. But like, you know, for, from my experience of the the guys that I played with from, you know, the youth levels all the way up, until you know college they just loved the game they wanted to work at it it wasn't like they were being forced to to work at their craft they they wanted to be pushed because they loved it and they they just enjoyed getting better in the process of, of that even the grind of it because it ain't easy like it is showing up at 6 a.m it is being consistent every day it, these non-sexy things but like they are sexy things to these people who love the game and that's why I think at, at the youngest of levels it, it is so 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 important that the kids are smiling the kids are falling in love with it so then when they get to the older ages it, it ain't work it's like I get to do this man I get to do this and I'm willing to do it because I want to do it
2: yeah. I love it. There's no really? bad days. There's no, I mean, we joke about it, but there really isn't bad days. You know, the yeah. bad days. It's like, really, it's not that bad. Come on. <laughs> yeah. um, Perspective. But, right. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, you asked me about, you know, the, I guess the, the where the passion comes from or, or just, you know, I can't remember how you phrased it, but like, that's what it is. It's just, it's passion. It's, it's a love for the game. And that's, you know, what I have and you know, that's what these guys that we've been talking about that's and, and we all know that we all have played with and worked with guys like these guys that we're talking about and, and the Benny
1: Sires of the world to bring it, bring it all back. back <laughs> man. I mean,
2: yourself too, right. I mean, you love the game. You guys love the game. You're passionate about the game. You're doing a podcast and you have great people coming on to talk about the game of hockey. You know what I mean? And that's, that's special. It's fun. It's, it's, it is, fun. it's fun it, like it's fun like i i just looked and i'm like we've been on here for over an hour and it's like i'm having a blast like this is, <laughs> no seriously this is so much fun it's it's okay. fun to be around people and talk to people that have that similar type passion and you know you know too tof like working with people like benny sire it's you know cuz it it is a grind i mean you know recruiting at the college level is a grind you're traveling all the time you you miss things with family you make a lot of sacrifices and um when you work with great people you know it's it makes that experience just it's it makes awesome. it worth it it makes totally. it
1: worth all the sacrifice for totally. sure totally. yeah you're you're a byproduct of the people that you you interact with on an everyday basis and if those people are as passionate as you are, and those people have the same values as you, then you're going to be successful. Like, and
2: you're going to do, do special things yeah. collectively as a group, too.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent, man. Well, yeah, we have been doing this for over an hour. This has been unreal. Planner, awesome guy, awesome coach so excited to finally have, I can't believe it's been this long since we've had you on here. We should have had you on
2: earlier, but, um, um
1: is what it is. We had,
2: we had to get so you clear, to win a anything, national championship. I don't, I don't think I did anything to warrant any being on here <laughs> prior to last week. So, <laughs> no guys, hey, listen, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. I was so pumped when you, um, extended this offer to Like I was, I've been obviously excited for a week to do this and, uh, just really appreciative and thankful that you guys had me on and And, uh, you know, again, I just can't thank you guys enough for the opportunity.
1: Awesome stuff, man. Well, congrats again on winning the Natty championship against the St. Louis blues. Sorry, (laughs) Jeffrey.
2: (laughs) Um, because they had a hell of a season. Shout out. They did. They had a good one. Great season.
1: They did. They did. Well, planner. Thanks a lot, man. And, uh, everybody else have a great week. Enjoy.